0: this episode of the podcast was recorded over a zoom call uh, at a time when physical distancing is important to us Uh, so you will find that depending on the quality of the internet connection uh, it can get choppy at times uh, but for the most part you will be able to hear the conversation clearly Hello everyone, it's the next episode of the Hello Mental Podcast. Today we have Sharina Sharin with us. Uh, Sharina is a mixed media visual artist currently based in Malaysia with a background in both creative direction and fine art. Her work explores themes of femininity and identity through her expressive paintings, portraits and digital work. Uh, She has exhibited in the UK, Czech Republic, Turkey and Malaysia. Uh, Passionate about self-expression and creative engagement, Uh, In recent years, she has been focusing on the power and importance of art education uh, within her local community through art workshops and talks. Uh, Sharina has collaborated with local and international companies such as Nelisa Hillman, Huawei, Lenovo, Disney, Red Bull Studios and Vans. And with that, let's start the conversation. Hello. Hi. Hi, Sharina.
1: Hi. Good morning. Hi.
0: Good morning. Hi. Uh, well, um, thanks for doing this. I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, you know, I, I, um, I we actually kind of missed each other several times before this. Yeah. So many things happening right now, right, in Malaysia? Third
1: time's the charm. Third time's the charm. <laughs>
0: yeah, so I'm really glad that, uh, you know, we kind of made this happen. So, yes, uh, I, I've seen um, some of the work that you do, uh, you know, and um, it's pretty impressive. It's really cool. And I, uh, before we kind of jump into like the story of how everything started, uh, I was really curious, right, how would you describe the the sort of art that you're doing right now? Uh, Because I'm not an artist, so I'm not (laughs) sure if there's a way you Mm -hmm. could kind of categorize it.
1: Sure, sure. So um, I'm a visual artist, which is a very broad term to describe an artist that just creates anything visually. Um, So I do a bit of everything like multidisciplinary. So I do paintings. I also take portraits. I kind of dived into everything as I started my career. So I don't like to kind of like limit myself. But in terms of my paintings, I would describe them as like abstract, like expressionism. So it's abstract means... You're creating nothing literal, like you're not painting, let's say, an apple or a chair, you're creating an emotion, you're like relaying and expressing a message that isn't, um, like necessarily like realistic in that Mm. sense. So, that's the kind of direction for my paintings, and I enjoy doing that because. I want people to feel a certain thing and that's what I think is beautiful about art is like everyone can will relate to it differently or see something different in a painting or artwork um, and it gives them the room to kind of express themselves and explore themselves. So that's kind of my painting direction, but I really do a bit of everything. So it's kind of hard to kind of pinpoint a general style of what I do because I Mm. do like to dip my toes in anything I can. So, Mm. (laughs) yeah, yeah.
0: And, and and out of curiosity, how how early did this start? Like how how did you know that hey, this is what I wanted to do? Because um, you know, as we kind of did some research about your background, uh, you did a degree in like a creative direction for fashion. So even at that, that at that point, you already knew, right? This was what you wanted mm-hmm. to do. So was there like a specific time on your life or this one moment where you kind of thought, "That's me. That's who I want mm-hmm. to be."
1: Well, there wasn't really like an aha moment. I think I've always loved, um, not necessarily like art specifically, but like expressing myself. I was a very expressive child. I like to like perform and sing and do like tell stories. And I think in that way it was like, yeah, communicating like my emotions was something I've always loved to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it was kind of progressive. I, I was exploring like drawings and painting and I did some in school and I was part of like jazz band and like it was literally anything I felt I, I wanted to do I did so mm. I never like limited myself I think which really helped me um, explore how I like to communicate mm. Mm. Um, that's, that's yeah so it was yeah so it yeah, was an aha moment in, in right. that sense I think I was just kind of progressive and consistent about it um, so by the time I went, I had to decide for uni. I knew I wanted to do something creative. I, I didn't know mm. what specifically, but as long as mm. it's creative, I was like, I think I would be beneficial. It would be beneficial for me because this is what I like to do, anyways. So
0: mm. That's mm. well, interesting that you mentioned you're in the jazz band. So, uh, so <laughs> in general, as opposed to like you, you love the creativity, like the arts.
1: Yeah, just like being like, yeah, expressive, I think it's the word. I I was always like, I loved fashion. Like I wore like the most ridiculous things when I was young and my mom would like, I would come out of the room, my mom would like, they would all just like laugh at me, but they just like kind of let me be. And I think that was really like having that nurturing environment um, allowed me to explore, you know, like no one told me. Um, don't do this or we won't advise you to do that or like stop being so weird like they just allowed me to be me and I think that really helped my self-development and my self-confidence and the th- things I wanted to do
0: which is which is something that's pretty rare these days in terms of like um, growing up in like an Asian family like a stereotypical Asian family Like right? <laughs> you're, you're, you're kind of pigeonholed to say that hey, there are only certain professions you should go into mm. like you shouldn't be an artist like you can't make a living. Like, that's what you commonly hear, you know, yeah. right?
1: And I think if it's uh, yeah. if they want to do something creative, like, the most creative they are allowed to do as Asians is, like, architecture because they're still, like, you know, it's still a structure and there's, like, a, you know, career progression. But I don't know a lot of people that, like, their parents or their family, like, supported them to being some, like, to study something creative. Um, I think it's only, like, quite recent. But none of my actual peers, uh, maybe people younger than me. Mm. So I think slowly that mindset is changing. And I think that's amazing to, to witness because um, there's so much talent in Malaysia. There really is. And they won't even get to that step of like creating art if they're not encouraged and they're not given that right foundation from a young age. Yeah. So I think, yeah, my upbringing was definitely um, my advantage on um, how I've kind of Created this career for myself now, mm,
0: mm. And, and in some sense, you know, um, it, it's kind of lucky that you have like parents like this that were so supportive. Mm. Because I have I've actually had conversations with people like who pursued non uh, non standard careers, right? Not mm. your accountant, lawyer kind yeah. of career, <laughs> and 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 they sometimes would tell me stories about how they had a very um a difficult relationship. With their parents or family because they wanted to go in this direction but but mm. um for you that was like uh you know that was like there was a lot of support and they were encouraging and
1: yeah. that's really
0: that's really amazing and um uh, I, I also realized that you've actually lived in a lot of different countries while you're growing <laughs> up right so i think it was australia canada uh czech republic uh in england and india right yeah. so it's really really like that's many countries and yeah. Um I'm I'm wondering if I, I whether some of that uh exposure perhaps also shaped the how you and how your family kind of thinks um and, and and your perspective of life. Like do you do you think it did and in and, and in what ways?
1: I think definitely. Um my dad was in oil and gas, which meant that we moved anywhere that was oil and gas, so every two years went more countries. Yeah. And I think my dad was already like a free spirit, really anti-establishment from a young age himself. Um, so he kind of wanted to create that environment for us. And as, yeah, as I said, they're very like liberal and allowed us to explore ourselves um, as individuals and like collectively as a family. Whenever we move countries, like my mom loves like collecting things. She's a hoarder. Or a mm-hmm. collector, either way, either or. <laughs> um, like she she was so into like textiles and ceramics and carpets and just like anything, yeah. That kind of was a visual language of a specific culture. So, I think her appreciation for that really had an impact on all of us, and like especially me personally, like what my personal taste is, what I really appreciate when I travel. We used to go to museums all the time when we traveled, so I think they've kind of instilled this like idea of like world citizens from a young age for us. Um, and I think that exposure would like really allowed me to appreciate things from a young age and how I decide to develop that in the future. Um, yeah. And we, we would travel a lot, even when we were overseas. So my parents would actually allow us to pick a holiday. We would need to get to pick a, where do you want to go next? And when I was really young, I think I was eight or nine, I was learning ancient Egyptians in school. So I was like, okay, we were living in Saudi at the time. It's like, okay, I want to go to Egypt. So when I was like, okay, let's go to Egypt. And then I was kind of like the tour guide there because I, I knew about, you know, the pharaohs and this and that. So mm-hmm. I think it was just like a lot of like trust in us and um, believing in us and like giving us that confidence. So I was like only eight. I had no business being a tour guide, right? But you know, like they, they allowed me to do that and they kind of indulged us in this. So uh, yeah, I think having this exposure to so many things at such a young age, and that was really consistent and continuous Made me feel like okay, well, I know art and culture and design is so integral to any culture. Um, what do, how do I want to use this in my next stage in life, like after I graduate? So I think, yeah, they're all intertwined and interconnected into and naturally progress me into what I'm doing now. Mm,
0: mm. And did any of um uh, seeing that you've actually lived in several countries and also now you're back in Malaysia, right? Did any of this influence your Uh, your style uh, in in any way
1: Mm, I think I think so I think my love of like textiles and just being I think being in London I think as a undergrad was really influential for me as well not necessarily like its own culture but the fact that it's like it was one of it's one of the most creative hubs in the world right Mm. Um, it's the center of like yeah fashion and art and there was always something happening like talks and exhibitions so I think yeah being allowed to have access to these like amazing artworks by like legendary artists was so impactful for me like seeing my first like Picasso painting or seeing my first Van Gogh painting Mm -hmm. Um, because a lot of these museums that they have there are free for Anyone. So the fact as a student, you know, like you are quite limited in terms of your resources. So I really appreciated that, like, cities like London have free museums and free exhibitions for people because I would see like kindergartners going to museums on their like school trips and Mm -hmm. like a teacher or like a museum guide showing them like, yeah, a Picasso painting. And like, they're just sitting there and listening to these stories. And I think, because that was the kind of education I received um, going to international school. So yeah, I think being exposed at such a young age can really shape um, what we decide that's important and how we perceive things. And I think international school has always promoted art art as something important to culture. Mm -hmm. And I think that was kind of ingrained in me. Um, But yeah, London was a very influential city for me personally for like self development and being, you know, expressive and explorative. I think if you weren't weird or different in London, like you would be invisible. So, ah. I really like took my time <laughs> and just, like, you know, with fashion and like the things I was doing. I think it was really fun like just being able to do and be anything, you know. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and um I actually lived in um London uh for some time and I do agree that it's so um, diverse in terms of culture and mm. so rich. I would jump in the, in London, it would be called the tube, but it's the equivalent of like the LRT or MRT here. And if you look around, right, you see how people dress so differently and <laughs> and it doesn't seem out of place, you know, that yeah. is so normal. And people wouldn't stare at you. you know, and um, and I would uh, frequently go to, so again, I I have no understanding of art, but I love going <laughs> to the Museum of Modern Art there, Uh so and I'll go there and I buy these posters. I look at it; that looks cool, and I and I buy a poster and I just walk around and, and and um, yeah, it's so so rich, right? I suppose, and that kind of really, I suppose, shaped and influenced the way you you see art, which is
1: yeah. Because uh, even different. as for you, you said you weren't right really knowledgeable about art, but like you liked what you saw, you kind of engaged in it. I think that's what's important, like getting um, people who are not really. Uh, knowledgeable about something, or necessarily interested about something, be interested or be at least curious, right? That like I think curiosity mm. is like the starting point for a lot of conversation So, I totally agree. Like London's great in that sense. Like, yeah, no one's out of place, even mm. <laughs> as as odd and as strange and bizarre. Like, mm. no one's out of place there, which is what's mm. really nice.
0: Yeah, and and they have these. Um, they make art very accessible, which I suppose in Malaysia, maybe I might come to this question a bit later, right? But um, uh, I'm not sure if I have found a place like this in Malaysia yet. You know, so when I say like the Museum of Modern Art, right? It's like I'm not really there because I, you know, I, I'm really into art, but it's like a day out. It's a nice day out. You go there, it's a yeah. big place, it's openly accessible, the people around and the things to yeah. see. And 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 I get exposed to art because of that, right? And and, and therefore there's like commerce and there's a there are like businesses around there, and you can make oh, money. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I so, mean, like I
1: think in the UK, like a, a huge part of their economy is their art tourism because they have so many like world-class museums. So, I think that's one thing that I'm sure we'll talk about later. But how different countries use art as a sense of tourism and how much they value it and how much they invest in it. Um, I think that's yeah. I think Europe does a great job in doing that. Mm, mm.
0: And and when you first returned to Malaysia, so was the was the last place you lived outside? Was it London? It was that the last uh, place before coming. It
1: was, it was uh, Prague, Czech Republic.
0: Prague. Oh, Prague. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, another yeah. very beautiful place. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And you came back to Malaysia after that. I, you know and, yes. and I imagine that's because you completed. Um, was it like um, a degree or diplomas? Uh, uh,
1: yeah, my degree.
0: Your degree, right. Okay. And how did you feel when you first came back to Malaysia?
1: I think I was, I was really excited actually. So before I did my final year in Prague, I took a gap year and came back to Malaysia. And that's when I started like kind of like my career in that sense. I started like my studio. um, I started my baju line. Um, so that gap year was actually really important, and I think that was an indicator for me to realize, oh, actually, I've done really well for myself this past year. Like, I want to come back after I I finish my degree, and I want to continue pursuing this career in Malaysia. Um, I think it was like my timing. I think it was just like I was there the right, I was here at the right time. Mm.
0: Um,
1: there were so many opportunities. There was so much enthusiasm and engagement. It was kind of like the start. I think it was like 2016. It was kind of like the start of when art became kind of like more accessible to people and it was kind Mm. of um, incorporated more in events and like concerts and just like anything I was Mm. it was just more obvious that there was an effort to promote this aspect um, Mm. in like the social scene and the event scene so I was really excited I was looking forward to coming back. Actually, I didn't want to finish my degree, to be honest. And my parents yeah. were like, no, 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 you need to finish this. We've invested too much in you. I'm like,
2: okay. Um,
1: so yeah, I was actually, I was I was so happy here that I didn't even want to continue my studies. Mm. Um, I'm glad I did. I got my degree. I came back as soon as I could and just kind of picked picked up where I left off. So I was really yeah. excited and enthusiastic and encouraged to come back. And I was really excited to kind of continue what I started for about a year, Mm -hmm.
0: Um, previously. Mm -hmm. And kind of like building on that, right? So, um, so you mentioned there's like a bit of a, like an art scene that is growing right now. And um, where, 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 how do you find it? Like, so, so as someone who's not exposed to art that Mm -hmm. much, like I don't, it's not obvious to me where the art scene is. Uh,
1: So for me, how it started is I, started just posting my work online really like on social medias and stuff and slowly I just met people through there and just yeah met up just like very casual like at a coffee shop and just chatted and we would have like little art gems which means like a bunch of artists will get together and just create something and I think it was that exposure and that kind of that initial jump for myself personally which I'm I'm quite anti-social in that sense. I'm a recluse. So it was quite, it was, it was a change for me to actually like reach out to people and be like, Hey, yeah. let, let's meet. Cause as I said, like, I wasn't, I've never really lived here. So I had a very limited amount of friends here. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think once I was exposed to like a few people and a few individuals in the scene who are much older than me, and I've already been doing this for a while. Um, I just like, met continuously to meet more people and like, you know, engage with other people exhibitions and galleries and that's how I started I think even before I graduated I was already like exhibiting like these smaller group shows and like Publica um, and I think yeah it's just me being very um, consistent with just like sharing my work online and posting even when I was in London like posting when I went to exhibitions and asking people like, oh what did you think of this so I was just yeah can kind of get a conversation started it was really organic for me um, mm-hmm. to just do that Mm. Uh, and slowly, I think I, yeah, it was just a consistent thing that I did. And I think eventually you'll meet like-minded people like you. Um, mm. if You just go to the right places or, yeah, I think it with art world is very ex- seen as exclusive, right? So it's like, unless you have your foot in the door and you don't know where the door is. Mm. Um, yeah. But I think mm. if you like something, you will, you will find ways to try to incorporate it in your daily life. So I've been going to an exhibition and like meeting other people there, going to an art talk, there's so many ways you can kind of, um, yeah, be a part of it. If you, mm. you, you just need to find the ways to do it.
0: Mm, mm. And, and, and for you, it started by you being actively posting. You know, your your content online and then slowly you build that community of those connections right
1: yes exactly yeah
0: yeah. and people and and i I think
1: at least for my sorry at least from my my experience people are very welcoming and really warm because i think they knew i was much younger so they're just like like my my mentors, so to speak and sharing their knowledge but also like sharing their opportunities i think that's what sets like that was what i found really special um they would get me involved in things even though i you know had no prior experience in it you know and that was Mm. was like really nice for me it was really encouraging and um yeah I think they've they've really shaped my the beginning of my career
0: Mm. and and um actually what's interesting also is that um when we're about to uh, schedule this interview or this conversation with you uh uh, a lot of the people involved also follow you we have like a a creative team like they were already following you
3: (laughs) <laughs> so, oh,
0: you're interviewing Sherry, now I follow her. So so you, you see that you it seems that you have created like a like a following of sorts, right? Just by creating this content online. Yeah. Uh and then building a community around that. So that's like that's pretty cool. And um and, and I wanted to uh, I was curious about so at what point did you see your career as a visual artist start? Was it when you were in London or you went in Prague? And what exactly was that moment that you said, okay, if you kinda of look back Right? Like this was when they started.
1: I think um, it was in my maybe second year in uni in London, I would start like selling my paintings. There's like really mm. casually. And then like, yeah, the feedback was really surprising. So I was like, oh, people actually like my work and want to like pay money for my work. And mm. I think that was mm. kind of like the, oh, maybe this could actually be sustainable for me. Cause I was still in uni there when I had a few invitations to projects based in Malaysia. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was still like haven't graduated yet, I was still studying, but I did one with um a shoe designer called Melissa Hillman um mm-hmm. she's a yeah really talented, really really kind person, and I think she saw something in my work that she wanted, and it was like I was doing more like digital art back then, and mm-hmm. yeah, so I kind of did like these like stop motion videos and these like really trippy acrylic artwork all when I was there, so. Yeah, I think she was kind of like the first person I collaborated with um, in Malaysia and because she was already quite established by then. So I think that was just kind of like the the starting point. And I just, Mm -hmm. as soon as I got back, I just kind of continued to take on different projects and literally I would take on any project that I found interesting. Um, yeah. Even the ones that I felt like I had no experience in doing, I was like, yeah, I'll do it. And I'll figure it out <laughs> later. Right? Um, so yeah, that was, that was kind of it for me. I was always a, like a yes woman. I was like, okay, yeah, let's do it. Let's figure, let's figure something out because I just wanted to gain the experience and
3: mm-hmm.
1: opportunities for me. It's like, you never know what might come out of it. And if, if it's a small project, if it's a big project, you'd really never know. So I would just like put my 100 in it. And as soon as I got back, I literally opened up my studio and, just started, like, grinding. <laughs>
0: That's really cool. And mm. I, I, I love that you said that it, um, about, you know, doing something, saying yes to something first, right, even though you're not sure how to do it. It reminds me of a quote that was quite memorable memorable to me, for, I think it was Richard Branson said it. But, but I, I, I do remember exactly what the quote was, but it went, yeah, it did go something like that, right? someone came to you yeah. with, like, an opportunity and you weren't sure whether you knew how to do it, just say yes first, right, and yeah. then figure it out later. And I think sure. that kind of attitude, really helps open doors uh for a lot of people. I think most of the time people are too worried that you know yeah. they you know they, they don't know how to do it and, and all this self-doubt comes in. Whereas yes. um I find a lot of people who even like quote unquote successful people have um, they're very human in the sense where they have a lot of weaknesses, there are a lot of things that they don't know. But the oh, one thing sure. that yeah the one thing that sets them apart is they just they just go, right? They just when there's a door that opens, they just go. And, 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 you know, as human as they are, they try to figure out how to do it. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah, but so I that- think
1: also like, I think uni has a role in that as well, where I'm not saying that you have to study this to become an artist or you have to study that to become something else, but you kind of get that experience in university like you know that you're having to know how to present your work and talk about your work and sometimes projects like you have no idea what to do but you just you have to do it anyways and I think those kind of like experiences really help you in the real world and I think for my uni because it was an art and fashion university there was a lot of industry connection so even when we're uni students we were doing we were pitching ideas to like H&M and Red Bull and stuff so and those were my first experiences to doing things with big brands as a student. Cause yeah. So we won a project with H and M and I got a project with Red Bull. So it's just like, Oh, okay. If I can do this here in London and me as a student, you know, like I already had like, there was not much of a self no, like, yeah, I wasn't really confident yet, but mm. when those things happen, I was like, Oh, okay. Like what's stopping me from doing things that I don't necessarily have the experience of doing. If I can do it here, I can like mm. do it anywhere. So I think that's what's important mm. too is like building this like repertoire even before you start working, like no one's stopping students from doing projects and doing like, mm. you know, being freelancers and stuff. If anything, yes. it's so good to get these um, experiences like before you even graduate, these industry experiences, if you can, you know, if you're capable of doing so.
0: Mm. Mm. It's so interesting that you, you mentioned that you pitched to like H&M and, you know, like yeah. and, and and I'm very curious uh, how what does a visual artist pitch like to a company like H&M? What exactly are you pitching?
1: Yeah. So for H&M, it was, they were working with our uni um, and it was in conjunction with their sustainability month. So they, a lot of people, I don't know if you know, but I think that they still do it for H&M. If you bring like a donation of like your old clothes, you get like vouchers to buy new clothes. Yeah, so they had yeah. yeah. So they've had this like in London, they have this huge warehouse just full of like donated clothes that they didn't know what they mm-hmm. want to do with. So they got different schools, I think, at least for us, different student um, groups to pitch an idea. Okay, if we were going to give you a storefront anywhere in the UK, what will you do with the clothes? How would you, what kind of things would you create? And we would keep it in the store for like a month. So that was just like, oh, cool. You know, so like we would do it in groups and um, we got the store in Birmingham and Mm -hmm. we kind of pitched this like idea of making this like huge like installation made out of clothes. And it was like, yeah, like, as I said, like as a creative or just a visual artist in general, like the medium can be so different. It can be like you have to create something with clothing, or you have to create something with shoes. You need to create something. So, like I think in that way, you you're exposed and you're not limiting yourself to just doing one kind of art form. Um, and I think that's what was good for me with Unia. So yeah, for HM, we was like we have to pitch. Okay, this is what we plan to do on the storefront. This is our proposal. This is the materials we're going to use. How much it will cost. Um, And they liked it. So we ended up doing it and they had it in the store for around like, yeah, a month. And there was like coverage from like Harper's Bazaar UK and like Vogue UK and stuff. So Mm. that was just like amazing to see like my face there on like an article. And i was like, Whoa, that's so cool. (laughs) That is so so cool. I I had a taste of that at a quite relatively young and I'm like, okay, no one's stopping you from doing anything but yourself. So like you might mess up or it might take a long time to get it Right. Oh, just do it. Just do it either way. Because as Mm -hmm. I say, you don't know how it might like, um, like the domino effect of it afterwards, right? It can Mm -hmm. lead to something so much bigger just by doing these small little projects. Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. And and would you also say that being able to communicate your work, I'm not sure if I'm using it, saying in the right way, is an important skill to be an artist? Because when I think of an artist, I think of um, someone that's like, I mean, I'm just doing art. I do my art. Mm. I put it up here. You like it, you do. You don't like it, you don't. You know. Uh, But but I when I'm hearing your story, like how you're able to pitch an idea to H&M and also figure out oh this how much it's going to cost. Like in some sense, you also understand like the business aspect of it. You know, like there's not Mm. pure. It's not purely just art right uh, yeah
1: I think for me that's always been like second nature I can't say it's the same for a lot of artists and I think that's what kind of separates the people that can, that can make this a, a sustainable career for them um mm-hmm. as I said like it's it's not I think anyone could agree like, it's not enough just to be talented like that's not enough for you to live your life like you know to sustain your life um, I think it's important for artists to yeah, be able to talk about their work. I think that's so important because if you are an artist and you're like pitching to a board, a whole board, board members, you need to be able to talk about your work. It's not mm-hmm. enough for it to just look pretty or for them just to mm-hmm. like it, but like you need to be able to explain, you need to be like articulate. And I think that's, what's lacking a lot with artists, um, mm-hmm. or that was lacking a lot in artists prior to this. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's what separates people and their demographic as well and who purchases their art or who's who knows about their art. Um, Mm. I think for me, it was like second nature. And I find it really easy to talk about it. I think it's also, Mm. yeah, it's upbringing and education. Um, We were asked to do a lot of like presentations in school. So I feel comfortable talking about my work, but I know at least from Malaysian education system, I don't think they're encouraged to do that that much. Mm. Um, You don't really have to like present things, I think, to Mm. your whole class or, you know, talk about this or talk about that. It's mostly like, I think like a copy and paste system Mm -hmm. where you just need to Mm -hmm. know the facts and then regurgitate that facts later in exam but it's never about like engaging and having like good eye contact and body language Mm -hmm. I think these are so important um, because art is not just about the art it's also like connects to the artist right so if people Mm -hmm. really like your work but they Mm -hmm. don't really understand you that's Mm -hmm. also like that's difficult right so if you Mm -hmm. can be as connected and as um, yeah articulate and eloquent with what how you feel and what you do, that really helps people understand your work better.
0: Yeah, and, and I've been a very big advocate of um, you know, encouraging people to learn communication. And, and mm. it's not not the same as language. I say it's not about speaking English well, but being able to communicate your idea is uh, or, or, or being able to tell a story that people can kind of relate to is an important skill for any discipline you're in whether you're an art you're yeah. an accountant you're it's you know you you're in uh, you're even if you're an IT person communication mm. skills are very important and and I can hear based on what you're saying that it's also very useful in terms of like being an artist right and in the context of the actual work that you do cuz I've seen the, I've seen some of the the work that you post online so we say abstract and see that it's really colorful um, you know, you're not, you're not painting an object, but there's like, you know, lots of contrasting bright colors and, you know, and are you, is that typically, um, I'm not sure if I'm putting it this right, but if you, if I'm looking at it, if you're standing beside me, would you be able to share what that piece is about? And, and, and typically what, 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 what would it be about? Is it about an emotion or like the story yeah. of how you created this?
1: So, like, I think that's why I actually don't like titling my work that I post sometimes. Sometimes I'll just, like, post up, like, the medium that I use because I don't like giving too much away. And I think mm. I don't want to tell people what it is because, like, maybe you see something different. Maybe you feel something different that isn't was my original intention. I think that's okay. And I, I really like that about abstract art. Like, someone, like, ten people can look at the same thing and ten people have different interpretations of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's okay. And I think I really appreciate that. Like I could be like, yeah, I was really sad when I painted this, but some of them like, oh, I actually felt this is more this emotion and that emotion. So um, I could tell people what it is. And I I mean for exhibitions I do like a little like artist statement, but at the same time, it's like I want you to feel something that I'm not like I'm not being explicit about, you know. Mm -hmm. um yeah so I think that's why I normally don't title stuff I post online necessarily because it's just like oh this is how I felt today and this like okay this this are the colors that came out this is the emotions that I felt um Mm -hmm. but yeah I think people will all interpret it differently and I really like that about abstract
0: art that's cool and and do you have um like a routine to your day because I'm really curious about what's a typical day like for a visual artist you know, do you, do you like wake up and say, let me start doing something? Or there's no <laughs> there's no process. And what is it like?
1: I think for me personally, I do kind of have somewhat of a process, but there's also days that I just don't want to do anything. Mm. Um, but generally speaking, I try to do something creative every day. It doesn't have to necessarily be painting, but it could be like uh, watching a film and like looking at the colors and just kind of like researching them or um, listening to a talk and just understanding concepts better. Or I can just be even like, yeah, watching cooking shows and be like, oh, this is interesting how this color, they use this color and this color on their plate. So it's just like doing something that kind of could spark something else for me. That's what's important. Not necessarily like painting every single day, like a whole painting. No, I right. think because as an artist myself, I don't normally look at other abstract artists for inspiration because it's so close to what I do. I don't want to feel like, like um, I subconsciously copying their work because I look at other, you know, so that's why for me, it's important to look at completely other forms of art um, to inform my work. So like, yeah, Mm. I could just be reading. And then because I love reading and I need to do it more actually. Um, But when I was (laughs) young, I would read so much and that really formed my imagination, I think, because yeah, you are forced to imagine things and And I think that's what's nice about, yeah, all these different forms of art forms. Um, You can get a sense of it and connect to it differently. And I really like doing that. If it's, yeah, reading, watching a film, listening to music, um, is being more active about um, indulging in these things, like consuming these things. Not just being a passive listener to the music, but being a more active listener. So I just try to be as active as I can in like, yeah, when I engage with These different art forms. That's kind of my daily thing. I would have to do that in some shape or form.
0: Right. Right. So, so it's like you're you're consuming things that are not directly visual art. Say you're watching a film or listening to music, but but you're actually thinking about it. Yeah, you're consciously thinking about it as you're consuming this like this uh, media, right?
1: Yeah, Uh, and I think that's good because yeah sometimes especially when you're you're starting off in your career you don't want to look at too much of the people are doing the same thing or like you know because mm. I think eventually if you look at the same artist that is kind of similar to style, you might just like yeah unknowingly copy or follow too too much so I think it's important to yeah see how other art forms can inform your own work.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I really love that. Um, one of the things that uh, and sharing something that you know we do in WOP, for example, internet as a company. I, was, I I also believe in what you just said, in that a lot of great ideas actually come from like a different discipline or from or like mm. a different world. And and if you really want to take your work to another level, having the exposure is quite good. So we have these things where we ask everyone to uh, dedicate some time to learn, like every three months in WOP and. Uh, I actually give them access to like online classes about acting or like uh, writing <laughs> stories, you know, which is like very it's, yeah. it's about the arts. But if you if you're if you can train your mind right to kind of pick up like very important ideas or concepts, you can suddenly bring it back to what you do, you know. Yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I think I kind of I've also like I think I know a lot of other creative people do the same. Um, there was this show on Netflix called Chef's Table. I don't know if you know it, where they look I, at I've like seen yeah. It. yeah, yeah, and I love the show. It's so beautifully made. Um, but one of the chefs, I think he was Italian, Massimo something, and he would yeah, he told um, in his interview how he would go to art museums and see how painters would compose in those like you know in a canvas, and that would inspire how he would place and plate his food you know Mm. so just Mm. so interesting to see how yeah people in different disciplines get inspired by each other indirectly
0: Mm. Mm. yeah Yeah. I think that's beautiful yeah I I love that and um and yes so there's so many different ways that this could be used right like um, when when I when I first uh, got exposed to about writing for uh, say writing fiction like storytelling and I could I can see the concepts behind how a story is written, and then kind of apply it back to say how I raise money from an investor, because yeah. I understand like the, the the human triggers, if you like, like oh that's what makes a story work, that's what makes people engage. So, I have to share this idea in this way and as an example, right? So those like yeah. really good, and um, and uh, you know what's what's harder than it looks, I, I suppose, being like a visual artist. Like and and I ask this because for someone that's not from the art world, looking at what you do is, I think it's very, some people might misunderstand certain things to look easy, you know, but mm. what do you think? Yeah. So what do you think looks easy, but it's actually really hard.
1: I think honestly, just being a full-time artist, it's mm. not everyone can do it and not everyone yeah, is capable of sustaining their life just by doing art full-time. And I think that's why what i think is much harder than it looks i think you know people have this romanticized idea of artists you know it's like you just paint all day and like you know and don't don't do anything else but you also have to be very business-minded is which what i think comes in handy for me because i was quite naturally part of how i think and um kind of operate Mm. but yeah like you know you're not just creating paintings let's say like you have to be talking to like galleries you have to be engaging with the different brands you have to know how to like um do yeah invoices and like you know like negotiate pricing and there's so Mm -hmm. many aspects to being an artist Mm -hmm. Um, especially for me I've worked really quite big brands and just kind of having that like that engagement it's you have to be also yeah very business minded and you have to be your own like business business yeah you are your own business right so Mm -hmm. there's so Mm -hmm. many aspects to it like the admin side this side and that side that I think people don't really um, are aware of as an artist because I think they just think we just create art all day and that's all we do but like it's not enough just to create things like how do you promote it how do you actually get people to be interested in buying it you have to know your story like there's so many aspects um which is why like not a lot of people are full-time artists now especially in the current economy Mm. a lot of people have become part-time because it's not sustainable for them so I think yeah just being an artist is way harder than it looks Cause it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, this glamorized, like romanticized idea of it. So mm-hmm. you have to have like 10 hats, like wear 10 hats at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I think that's definitely what's harder than it looks.
0: Mm-hmm. And what and what do you think is the opposite? Like what is um, actually easier than it looks? Like it might look hard to an outsider, but actually it's not that hard mm-hmm. to do. Um,
1: I think for me, it's like, like creating cause it's so natural for me, but you know, mm. if you're not an artist or you're not someone creative, it'd be so hard. because it I'd be like, where do you start? Like what, to, mm. how do you know what to do? How do you know when to stop? Mm. Um, but I think if, yeah, if you work on something and you practice it long enough, it becomes very natural and it becomes very instinctive. Um, yeah, for me, lots of people always comment as even you mentioned about like my color choice and it's like, mm. I'm like a maximalist. So I just love like everything that's like bright and over the top in my paintings.
3: Um,
1: And a lot of people ask me about, like, I think people that are starting off to be artists about like my color palette. How do I know what goes well together? and What doesn't? Um, so for me, that's just like very easy. It's like, like second nature for me to do. So I find that probably the easier thing that people find really complicated.
0: Mm, mm. And, 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 um, if, uh, if a young, cause a lot of the, um, the audience that listens to this podcast, most of them are young, some of them are university. And, and, and what mm-hmm. would you say to someone like a young person who wants to, you know, try, you know, aspire to be like an artist in Malaysia? What advice would you give them?
1: Well, I, I do a lot of workshops. Well, prior to COVID, I was doing a lot of workshops, either at my <laughs> studio or at events. I would get hired to do it at events. And a majority of my the people that would come are young, either still in school, finishing school, about to enter uni or in uni. And a lot of the times they ask me, like, how, how do what, what, what do I do if I want to become an artist? Or can you talk to my parents and tell them I want to do art? I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> I'm in no position to do that. But I did tell them that, you know, you have to have conviction in what you do. Because um, for me, yeah, with my parents, I was very, very decisive and kind of like, this is the only option for me. This is the only thing I'm going to do. I only applied to one uni as well. Cause I'm like, if like, I, there's no other option. If I don't get in, I'm not even thinking about that. Like I have to get in. So I think mm. I was like so convicted with all my actions wow. that it, <laughs> my parents are like, okay. Like they're pretty confident. They're like, okay, this is what she really wants. And she's so willing and like, you know, willing to do this. So I think for parents, I think that's the hardest part. As you said, it's like a big um, obstacle for a lot of young people. If they're, they don't get their parents, not just blessing, but support, right? Like mm-hmm. financial support and, emotional support I think mm-hmm. is to have like a plan like you need to be very proactive if you want to do something you need to convince them because they're still paying for your education normally mm-hmm. um I have I was brought up with my dad like even if I wanted to go out I would have to like a powerpoint presentation as to why I, I'm allowed I should be able to go out This <laughs> are the chores that I've done this is how I deserve to go out so I think for my parents it was like at a young age you have to like you have to earn it, right? Mm. So if they, if I want them to support my decision, I'm gonna have to earn it, um, mm. and that's what I did. Like this is my plan. This, this is the uni I want to go to. This is what I want to do after. I'm gonna do internships while I'm studying, so I get, you know. So it's like you have to come up with a plan, um, and yeah, do your research. Be very proactive. I think that's one thing. Like everyone wants to be something else, right? Like this romanticized idea of any other profession, but. Are you willing to put the work in just even getting to the first step you know Mm -hmm. so i think it's like researching um being proactive present them with the facts um so and yeah like have a game plan like you have to have a game plan to i think to be in this career because it's so volatile it's Mm -hmm. so so volatile um Mm -hmm. because being a studying art doesn't mean that you have to be an artist you can be an art curator you can work at a gallery you know there's so many other options that's not just necessarily making art um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I think you just need to really do your research and be, yeah, as I say, proactive. I think that's the most important character to have in this career, anyways.
0: Yeah, and and it sounds a lot like, and, and the way I hear how you communicate with your parents about, you know, PowerPoint presentation, I did my chore, <laughs> this that's why I should go out. I, <laughs> I think you you're also communicating a sense of maturity to your personality, as in like you're serious about this. Like it's not it's not just fun and games. It's not just because you like the fun part of being an artist that you. I think that maturity actually shows that you understand like what the challenges might be. You work at it, you know, you try to overcome it and that might reassure like your family or your parents, right. That if you go down this path, like you're yeah. going to take this seriously, right. It's not just, yeah. you're not just doing this for fun. And, yeah. and, um and it's very important because I can relate to this, even when it comes to like a startup, I, I think like, so what obviously we are startup and, and startups are like a thing, like you know, it's a bit of a trend, and 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 mm. I even say sometimes the media does glamorize it a little bit. And what you find is when it, this happens, right? A lot of people jump into it for the wrong reason because they jump into it for for the, the glamour, the the fun. You know, it's trending. Yeah. And if I if I'm a parent, and let's say if I have a child, and they say I want to do a startup or be an artist, but I see them, you know, playing video games every day, for example, <laughs> you know, I, it would worry me. That exactly. they're doing it for the right reason, right? And and they can overcome any challenge. And uh, are they are they saying this because they don't want a real job? You know, so, so, exactly. so those, right. So you need to communicate that you're matured. Like you understand what's hard, it is hard, but you're matured enough to overcome it, right? When the challenges yes. uh, are yeah. here. Uh, and and you seem like because of the way you, you shared how you you know uh, you can be quite business-minded, you understand that you have to be very practical. You know when you pursue a uh, career as an artist, I think those things need to come through, right? When you're you know talking to your family and all that. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, I think that's I, what most people, young people, should also be aware of. It's as you said, it's so much more than just creating nice things. Um, it's so many other aspects that need they need to be aware of before they jump into it because unless their intention is in the right place, and it's gonna be very difficult to just overcome all these different obstacles. So they must really want it. Um, mm. And then, yeah, they mm. must be very, um, it, it has to be transparent. There has to be that transparent communication. I mm. think that's the most important thing.
0: Mm. Mm. So I want to talk about the um, the studio that you're running. So you call it, so it's called Everyday Studios, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I believe uh, you mentioned that you started this during your gap year, right? Before yes. you went to Pratt. Um, can, can you tell us a bit about, uh, I suppose, the background story to how everything kind of started? Did you have like a main goal for the studio at the time? And yeah. um, how, how do you see the studio now? Like kind of what's next?
1: I mean, at first, it started out of like being practical because my parents were like, you can't paint in the house anymore. Like you're getting paint everywhere. <laughs> so there's oh, like, wow. you need someone else to paint. So <laughs> it's like, it's, it's a nice size studio. They're like, okay, we'll just support you for this and we'll see mm. how it goes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but within the first month that I had the studio, I was doing a project for, like, just, like, a very small collaboration with a local clothing brand. And someone who attended that event was, like, oh, like, did you do these artworks? I was, like, yes. He's, like, well, I have a house. I just got a house. I need, like, seven, eight paintings. Um, here's my budget, which was, like, really big. And I was, like, so shocked because I was, just like, maybe 19, maybe 20. It's was, like, I was, like, so excited. It was, like, my first big project. Um oh, wow. Yeah. And that was like that literally like that actual commission allowed me to fund everything for like a few months. So it allowed me to like, okay, I told my parents like, okay, I'll pay for my rent now. I can do this. I bought like, I literally like furnished like my whole studio. I painted it. I got like an actual like email with my studio name on it. So it was like all these different things. That was like so exciting for me. I created my logo. And so um, that, I think that was just like, I don't know what you call it in english but like risky that was just i had no explanation for that opportunity um but that was like that was financially the most important i think think catalyst for my studio because that allowed me to do so many other things i could hire like an intern and i i just started but because I, I needed help with these different projects so i could hire like an intern And yeah, like I had no goal for the studio. I was just kind of taking it day by day, kind of riding the wave, seeing what different opportunities presented itself. But Mm -hmm. I started, yeah, doing workshops, continue doing exhibitions. I worked with Red Bull Studios here, Mm -hmm. Um, even MP, MBPJ. So like literally like it was like private, private, like smaller companies, local startups, Or like government bodies. It was like literally anything I could do that I was presented with. I was like, yeah, let's do it. Mm. So I had no like goal, but I was just achieving like, yeah, just making sure I did the best with each project that I did as it came Mm. by. Mm. Um, I wasn't thinking too far ahead in that sense. I wanted it just to be a space where other creatives could come and like we could discuss things and I would have like open days at my studio where I just get anyone anyone could just come and like look at my art and we could talk about it and my mom would like yeah. make food and it was just like it was a really nice little community that I want to continue so even like the name everyday studios was kind of I want it to be a place that was accessible for people like every day it's not mm-hmm. just like you know with galleries it's like there's always one day that is closed and it's already like really exclusive mm-hmm. um, but with mm-hmm. my studio I just wanted it to be a, an open an open space that people could come engage with art and feel safe and yeah, just be a part of a, like a little community. And I think it, it went well and I, I'm really happy with how it started. And mm. now it's just, I guess, progressing into something else. Um, but yeah, I think people kind of know that this is my studio. This kind of what I stand for and they can engage with it in different ways. Sometimes I'll like, you know, hire um, like hire individuals to work with me for specific projects that need more manpower. So it's like really flexible and it's like very easygoing because, yeah, I think I I want it to feel like free and fluid. Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm I'm curious about the because um, you mentioned like the, the the different kind of projects you got involved in. You know, like for example with MBPJ and all that. Right? So um, if I if I'm looking at your social media account, obviously I can see all your work, like the um, the uh, abstract kind of art that you actually do, right? But uh, I imagine your the, the projects that you're doing, right? It's very diverse, right? The range is very broad. Like, can you give us a sense of like when you say you're doing a project, like what kind of work are you doing? It's mm. not drawing abstract art, right? For this company. Mm.
1: Sometimes and sometimes not.
0: Mm. Um,
1: so I, like for MBPJ, they wanted a bunch of artists to create um, like murals for an area in mm. PJ. So me, mm. it was myself and maybe like four or five other artists. And we would just, yeah, we would just sketch out ideas, discuss, and there's like literally paint. And this was also during Ramadan, like a few years mm. ago. So I was painting from like 10 p.m. to like four 4 a.m., for a whole month
0: because well, i didn't right? like it was too
1: hot so none of us wanted oh, wow. to, and we're all fasting so we didn't want to paint during the day because it's so hot and we would get so mm. thirsty so like, mm. okay that's fine we'll do it after we break our fast and literally mm. for a whole month we would be painting at the street back street of pj yeah from oh, 10 wow. p.m and they even got like a crane because some of the areas was like high up and we need to paint that so that was like really cool experience that was one of them um, another one with Red Bull is that they wanted to engage with different local universities on like mm. this like art, I can art competition that they had. So they got different artists to come to these different campuses and just create like like group murals with everyone. So I would like sketch out something and then we would all just paint. Um, I worked with like Shuamora, which is like a makeup brand, and they wanted like a full a, like a painting of a girl um, wearing makeup and I had to use like their products to paint it and I did it during like it was like a live painting session so like literally it's like sometimes it's like not necessarily abstract in what I do sometimes it is um Mm. but I'm always yeah as I say I'm always up for doing something different and up for the challenge Mm. even now it's like yeah it's different completely different things sometimes people know me for like more the bate inspired work or Mm. the abstract inspired work it's really Mm. like there's so many different things and that's what I mean like there's no limit into what we can do now that there's like, um, there's an interest in art and there's people willing to invest more in art based projects. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it really just depends what the client wants, what also like what we negotiate on and like what we kind mm-hmm. of come like where both parties are happy with. Um, but yeah, it's really, there's so many different things. I've like work with Vans as well. They've been really great clients. Um, I did like a workshop, a batik workshop with them and like an abstract workshop with them. Mm. Um, and I helped like curate an exhibition. So it's, yeah, it's really whatever that needs to be done, I'm there. <laughs> I am ready to do it.
0: Because <laughs> I just, I find it
1: exciting not to do the same kind of project every single time. Right,
0: right, right. I, I think I thought, I saw your post with Vance. So like you painted like these uh, white canvas shoes, right? And And I could see that you had your signature Painting style, <laughs> if you <right>. like. <laughs> uh, <laughs> on those, it's pretty cool. I'm really curious about the, um, the the mural that you did for MPPj now. So where where do I find it? Like I'm not far this, from like PJ. Oh,
1: I mean, it's literally the MBPJ building, and there's like mm. a back street that they've they. I think this is like a few years ago, so I don't know if it's still there. They've repainted it over it or something, mm, but mm, they did mm. like installations and they did like yeah murals i think they wanted to create something like what they had in sha'alam where it's like a bunch of really cool like wall art that people could like take photos with and like mm, you know mm. i think that was the intention with it i don't know it's hard because in malaysia with the weather things don't last mm. very long so i don't know how I long i don't i honestly don't even know if it's still there um but yeah like and i also like made paintings for like yeah, they had a event with like the mayor of PJ and I had to create yes. something for that. And I had mm-hmm. to help like curate like this fair that they were doing. They wanted me to find other artists to like sell and showcase work. So mm-hmm. I think it really, it, it goes into kind of my work, guys. also into like art consultancy. So it's not just me creating, but me, how, like, how can I also engage the, the wider art community? Because I think they know that I'm quite, um, inter- I interact with a lot of them. So yeah, so sometimes ask me that, oh, we need like 10 artists for this event. Can you suggest any of these artists? I'm like, yeah, sure. So And then I'll give them the names. And it's also a good opportunity for these other artists to have a platform to show their work or sell their work. I think it's great. I think if you can kind of, because people used to help me when I first started. So if I could help other artists kind of give them that leverage, I, I would really, I do enjoy doing that as well. That's so cool.
0: I can, I can almost see a business opportunity there. Sorry, that's the, <laughs> the that's business in the business man. Man <laughs> Of course, uh, of course. I was like, oh, wow, that's a platform for... um, and, and since we're on this topic, right? So, yeah, I think the one of the things that, and we kind of briefly talked about it just now, in, uh, that's missing in Malaysia, is this, I suppose, a, a, a easy way to commercialize a lot of work for artists, you know? And, and it was there, and people were more willing to invest in, like buying art and stuff like that I think the, it would boom right and and there is definitely mm. it's it's a very underappreciated thing in general I'm not sure it's an Asian thing or Malaysian thing or what it is but I, I give simple like simple examples like you know like in Ipoh right I mm-hmm. mean I was born in Ipoh I haven't been back for very long but they they uh, revived it, I think, a couple of years ago by doing a lot of street art, and they made yeah. you know, really, really cool. is great.
1: And, and right? I love Ipoh. Yeah, yeah, Even Penang,
0: now, like, Penang. Yeah, that's right. Mm. And and it's then it's cool, right? They made it cool just by just by virtue of like transforming it through art, and it, and it becomes like this very touristy area, and, and then commerce comes, right? Then businesses yes. generate money, and there's tourism and all that, and there are lots of ways that we could, you know, kind of do this. And I think it's really underappreciated. So are there things that you wish uh, or, or, or do you see any ideas that you think Malaysia should be doing, but, they're not, but we're not really doing now?
1: Mm, I mean, I think there's been a huge improvement since I first started and just seeing how different industries engage with artists or creative people. Um, I think, yeah, I'm like a, a prime example in the fact that I've done so many different, like the scope of my work is so varied. So mm-hmm. I think they're just willing. Like, I think also for artists, you need to see how how can you be of benefit to a, a brand or a company? Because sometimes also like it's, it's in, um, kind of, how do I say, inspiring them to see beyond their scope as well right mm. so let's say like mm. yeah to convince like to convince them that they need you <laughs> essentially mm. um mm. yeah because recently i did a restaurant in Pataling street it's called it's a vegan restaurant called the hungry tapir um mm. and it was like just a concept it was like really nice i love the idea of having like i'm vegan so like the restaurant's like okay cool Like a vegan restaurant that i can paint and do murals in and it was been it's been doing really well um and also because like yeah the artwork in it, it's like really fun and vibrant and I hate the term like Instagram-worthy, but it's also, it's nice for me personally, it's nice to just create environments where people feel like inspired in and like feel really happy to be in and feel like, oh, this is like really quirky. This is really fun. And I think a lot of restaurants are having that element now because why not create a space, not just where people eat, but where they can also feel like, yeah, inspired and and they can engage with something more than just the food, right? So -hmm. I think more brands and more industries are considering this, um, I think there's still a long way to go in terms of like, yeah, having it sustainable for individuals like myself. I'm not sure how that could, what could be done to, to help support. Mm. Um, but I think it's a start, like we're already off to a good start mm. with brands and individuals or companies realizing how art can be beneficial for, for their spaces, for their campaigns. Like I, I think during MCO, a lot of things had to be put on pause, right? Um, But I actually had more projects like that were more digital based, like where I had to like create content for brands using their products or like, and that was really fun for me as well. Um, There was like Lenovo and Huawei. So yeah, it's like, I think they had to like, we have to learn to adapt to like the current Mm. situations as well. Right. Mm. So if you can't Mm. get artists to do an exhibition, why not give them their product and ask them to create something on it and then share that with the world. Like I think, yeah, we just need to be a bit more innovative in our, um, process and how we can push mm. it forward. Mm. Mm.
0: And I love how you're so positive about, you know, everything. <laughs> I am. <laughs> i positive. It's all person. good. It's all good. <laughs> I was like, so what's wrong with Malaysia? Malaysia is good. All right? <laughs> love I that. Think, and, and, no, yeah. but it's
1: also like, I think we we have to, where there's already so many things wrong with Malaysia. I mean, you know, there's so many things how we can improve, but also we have to acknowledge how it's improved since a few years ago. I think I'm, I look, kind of look at the positive in that sense um, mm-hmm. because it's important to acknowledge how people have pushed it forward. Cause I think mm-hmm. it was much easier for me to do what I do now, because there were so many people before me that had to push forward with, yeah, brands and really have like, you know, set their rates for themselves that allows me to make, that makes it so easy for me now.
3: Mm -hmm. so I
1: think yeah acknowledging how much we've we've progressed but also there's like a big hurdle to continue with but yeah I think Mm -hmm. acknowledging how much we've we've done so far
0: yeah and and things are going in the right direction so and Mm -hmm. and I think there's still I suppose if there's there's still a lot of opportunity if people can kind of figure out how to access it right yeah Uh, to make this a career and I want to ask about your clothing line uh baju so Mm -hmm. um how did you decide to start up a uh, clothing line? How to branch out in in this direction?
1: Mm. Well, I mean, I my degree was in fashion, so I've always loved elements of fashion. Um, I've always loved how like yeah, it was it was an indicator of your identity. Um, it could be an indicator of your culture because I've lived in countries where like people. You know, like I lived in Saudi Arabia where you didn't even really see people in clothing because they're all like covered in like abayas and stuff. Mm. So mm. I've always felt like fashion is such a, a it's a, it's an integral part of like, yeah, an identity of a country or of an individual. So I've always loved expressing myself through fashion. What I realized what was missing in Malaysia is that we weren't very proud of our like heritage in that sense. Um, I've always loved textiles because my mom had a huge passion for it. And really, yeah, I picked that up from her. I've always loved batik because it's like the literal the meeting point between art and culture um, where you're literally wearing like stories right you're wearing our history as Malaysians mm. um, and it's so beautiful like Bhatti, I think no one doesn't like batik, right it's like it's such a beautiful mm. textile but I, I didn't understand why people weren't wearing it especially people my age or younger because my mom is from Kedah so most of her family, if you go, you know, to the kampong, comp- or even we do go to people's houses, like, if they're at home, they'll be wearing a bajukadab, because it's, like, really comfortable, it's, like, still looks nice, it's presentable, and I'm just, like, you know, my mom would make them for us, mm. and I'm, like, oh, people, more people should wear it, like, why don't they wear it, and mm. I was, like, okay, like, let me do this for the culture, like, let mm. me just, like, if no one's doing it, why don't I, like, help encourage people to do it, and, you know, brand mm. it in a specific way, and, like, take my photos in a specific way so it feels more like art and not just like <laughs> <laughs> but it, you know it's like I think people have that common thing is where it's very like they think it's very kampong but mm. I'm like what's wrong with it being kampong like what's wrong why it's wrong with how people in the kampong dress if anything it's super mm. comfortable um mm. it's very efficient um mm. so yeah that's kind of how it started for me I think I just realized that I wanted more people to wear it and like, okay, I already feel like I can come if I can convince people with my art. Why not I convince people with clothing? Mm-hmm. So that's kind mm-hmm. of how it started. Um, it's a love mm-hmm. for textile. I think it was realizing how we weren't really proud of our culture in that sense. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was just like be fun. Like, okay, next project for me. You know, let me do this. Um, yeah, and mm-hmm. I started it right before I left for Prague. Um, mm-hmm. I continued it while I was there. And when I came back, that's when I like I did my website. Um, I took like all the campaign photos or sometimes my other like talented photographer friends would, I wouldn't be involved with Rio. I don't know if you know about Rio, which is like a weekly monthly market that they, they used to do in like Bangsa. And then they went to, they do it at the central um, event space. So with mm. what, they, what they were trying to do with Rio, which I think was great with, I think, These are kind of more initiatives I would like to see as well. They had this idea of making it like those weekly markets that you see overseas, like in the UK or in Australia, where it's like a, yeah, a market where you can find like local artists work, local food made by people, like just anything localized, right? So like a a space where you can find anything that was made by the local people. And I thought that was such a great idea. So when they first approached me to do it, they were like, okay, we want you to do a workshop. Just to get people engaged with art, I was like, okay, great, and they're like, okay, we'll also give you a space to exhibit your work, and then we'll also give you a booth so you can sell your things. And honestly, that was such a great experience because a to see how much people were interested in like the product, my my own product, but also how many people actually came to the event. I think they only anticipated like a thousand people for two days, but I think four thousand people came. Wow. Um, yeah. And I, I think I sold out the first day and the next day I was like scrambling to, to bring everything ours. And I actually just had to bring on like just the textile itself. Cause I'd be like, everything sold out yesterday, but we have textile. So if you can pick what you want, we'll get them custom made for you. And then we'll just ship it out when it's ready. Oh. So literally like, it was just like such a good learning experience and to see how much people were willing to pay their money for something that was like locally made. Um, yeah. by individuals right and i think yeah, yeah if there, we could have more initiatives like that that would be great because it was just like so encouraging for myself and just like other vendors as well you know people selling yeah. ceramics or people selling candles or stationery yeah. and all locally yeah. made so yeah. that was really really a good a good experience and yeah. i'd love to see more of it um, yeah. because yeah. yeah it was just very it was it was showing how it was kind of a commentary and how we've kind of progressed instead of like looking outwards to buy things more people wants to support local. And Mm. I realized it was great because Rio has been doing really well um, since then, which they started, yeah, 2017. So, Mm.
0: And that, I assume um, Rio is still happening uh, apart from from this year, Um, right? Yeah,
1: they were doing really well and just kind of branching out and doing like talks. So they'll get the people that are selling things to like do talks and stuff. And they would do performances, um, get, yeah, get like, dancers to come and perform or singers come to perform so it was like a really nice like community where people were really engaging with mm. everything that was local
0: mm, mm. that's that's really cool and mm. and um and how do you um uh inject uh because i'm trying to see how you inject your i suppose your style or personality into baju or or, or do you know or do you or do you uh, are you trying to modernize it or are you pres- preserving what the uh, the style of, uh, you know, batik is?
1: I think it's a bit of both. So like I myself, am not a batik expert. I think I'm mm-hmm. a passionate person. Um, mm-hmm. And I I'm also, if, if someone can do it better or knows it better, I would want to give them that platform. So we would work with batik makers in Tranganu. and my mom mm-hmm. and I would literally go down there for a few months to just, yeah, like discuss like different colors. and. But I trust them and they're they're their own artists for them to create works Um, But I would just be there to advise or like to suggest, okay, this is the kind of color palette I want. This is not what I don't want. Cause yeah, I want to promote their artistry as well. They're, they're Mm -hmm. ready, their industry. Oh yeah. I will want to help their industry and their ecosystem as well. So in Mm -hmm. that sense, I was more involved in the um, advertising of it, the marketing side of it, because I also knew what colors I would want to wear. So I would mm. tell them, okay, I'm like, okay, this is not really suitable for like younger people. So it was just like really fun getting involved in that artistic um, process. But also for me, I was more excited I'm like, okay, how am I gonna do my next campaign? Who am I gonna shoot? Um, how I'm gonna, like, what's the style gonna be? And honestly, I think I was more, what was more known from in terms of our brand was like the imagery that came out of it. So like mm. the photo shoots that I would do, I would literally get, friends or random people I find on social media to come to my studio like have a nice evening or afternoon of, like eating and listening to music and I'll just like shoot them in our um, pieces and it's just like a really fun process um, mm. it's also because yeah I wanted to see just Malaysians in it because mm. I'm so tired of seeing other brands even for like yeah Bajiraya have like Foreign models modeling it, it doesn't make sense to me, like they would never wear that otherwise. Because I'm just like, how are like, especially, I think, for the ethos of the brand, it's like, how are we supposed to make people feel proud of our clothing Mm -hmm. if we're not proud of it, right? So, in that sense, we're just like, yeah, getting more young people in part of the process. So, yeah, I'll get random friends, family, um, just like anyone that wanted to do it, and like, no, like, we didn't care, like, your body size or color or whatever it was literally just making it as inclusive as possible um and that really picked off and then yeah that was 2017 when we had like our website and was doing all these like Rio market and events it was great i really like how it started and how like i just it's good i think important to know what what is a, what is a brand's like yeah ethos and if people yeah. can resonate with that and if they agree with it and i think it was just like really good feedback all around when we started yeah.
0: Mm. And and um, and if someone wanted to, I suppose, uh, purchase something, um, I I imagine you could do this online. Is that right, or or do you predominantly yeah. only do it in the in like the the, the marketplaces like Rio?
1: Mm, I think because it's important for people to like feel the clothing and you know wear it and like try it out. Mm-hmm. So we we are not we're no longer online anymore because I'm kind of mm-hmm. like scaring away from like Badri because even though it was my part-time because it was so time-consuming it became my full-time at one point and it Mm. didn't allow me to do more of my artistic endeavors so I was kind of sad about that and Mm. I also realized like my intention was just to promote Bate and get young people to wear it and I think along the years since I started I see so many other like Bate brands um, emerging I'm like Mm. okay cool I feel like I've done my I've done what I had to do because I don't see it as like a competition like in that sense for this for this aspect it wasn't me like I want this to be like a super successful business. I want it to like, I want to get investors. I wanted all this because there were people interested in investing, but I was like, Mm. oh no, it's okay. Like I want this to still be like independent and I want this to be like, yeah, really organic and yeah, with with the right intention. So Mm. um, yeah, we're no longer online, but I still do custom pieces for people or events or whatever. So they can just like contact me for it. Um, Yeah, yeah, because for me, it was like, I really did it for the culture. I didn't, I didn't make much money out of it after I had to like, you know, take away all the costs of everything. Um, mm-hmm. but I, I did it for the culture really. So mm-hmm. I was really happy with what was the result. And I think we kind of ended on a really high note. Cause I haven't done it for a few months, like maybe nearly a year. Like I haven't been as active about it.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and it really sounds like, and, and one of the things that you know, you say a lot, is that like you have to be very practical, like there's the art and you need to balance up with like the commerce side, like the business. Mm. But it does still sound very much like you do like the art as in as in yeah. you definitely lean in that direction. And yeah. and the, and and making money from doing it is just you being practical to sustain the work that you do, but yeah, you genuinely sure. love the work, right? Like and
1: yeah. Because we were invited to actually have a store at Pasasani Mm. uh, for Baju. And I'm like, oh, that's a great opportunity to have like a store, like a really touristic area. Mm. But then I was Mm. just like, how practical would this be? Mm. How much energy would I have to put into it? I would have to hire people. And I'm just like, for a one-woman show, at least what my mom Mm. was helping with Baju, but everything else is kind of me. Like Mm. it's too much to think about. And Mm. I don't want... Yeah, I already kind of set out what I wanted to do, just to get more people to be aware and want to wear about and which I, I feel like I already yeah. did. That so I was like, okay, cool. Um, mm, on mm. to the next thing. <laughs> mm,
0: mm, yeah, mm, mm. that's really cool. Um, right, so uh, we're going to jump into like quick fire questions now. Okay. Uh, and I'm going to start with something. Uh, it be it starts easier and you progress a bit more like oh, oh, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> a bigger question. <laughs> okay. Uh, first question. Um, what are some interesting places in KL? Uh, KL or Malaysia, if you can't think of KL that people should visit, uh, or any like cool hangout spots like as an artist, like, right?
1: Okay. Uh, well in Penang, I really like China House. China uh, House, okay. Yeah. So it's a, it's like a two-story building and it's like apparently the longest cafe in Malaysia, apparently, because they like took two units. And it's a restaurant an art space, um, an event space, it's literally anything and they have like live music. It's like such an inspiring environment and Mm. because I had an exhibition there when I first started so I think it's very like nostalgic for me and it's like Mm. a really great space in Penang. I really enjoy that space. Um, Yeah, so China House in Penang. Uh, In KL, I really like Ilham Gallery. Um, It's a gallery, I think it's an independent gallery um, that's right next to KLCC area. And they have amazing work and it's just curated so well and very thoughtful work. And I think, yeah, it's free. So for people who are concerned about price, it's a free space. Mm. Um, I really also like the shop called Snack Food that was in Bangstar, but it's closed now. It was just oh, like okay. a shop that had like all these random knickknacks and collectibles. And like they would, it was just a very beautiful curated space. I really like that. Mm. Um, what else do I like? I think those are like my immediate immediate top threes. Mm, Yeah,
3: mm, mm, but there's so many emerging
1: spaces too. Like there's so many places to go now in KL. Mm, mm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, okay. Um, Next question. What's a skill that you have, um, which other people might find surprising, but it's been very useful to you in your career or life? Mm. Um, A surprising skill.
1: I mean, it's not a skill. It's more of like a trait. Like I'm very Mm. stubborn. I'm so so stubborn (laughs) but I think being like it's not necessarily hard-headed but like really strong willed has allowed me to achieve all that I have without compromising my values because I'm not willing to compromise specific things I think because I'm so yeah strong-willed I'm gonna say not stubborn strong-willed
0: strong-willed okay
1: yeah I just had I didn't I'm I'm proud of what I've achieved and the things I've avoided along the way as well because I'm not willing to do specific things um, if it means I have to compromise my values. So I think that's really important, um, especially for me or anyone who's independent and kind of navigating through this like freelance world um, to not forget to like, like money will come. Like you don't have to take on a project if you really don't feel comfortable, you don't feel like you're being valued or you feel like you're negotiating on compromising your own values. I think that's really important. And I think because I'm like, yeah, calm, stubborn or strong willed, um, I think that's an, I think that's a, people don't know that about me. Like, I'm really, like, mm. unless people that know me, like my family or like friends, they know I'm stubborn. <laughs> but I think that's also really important, you know, like to not bend over backwards uh, when you strongly believe in something. Mm. Mm. Yeah.
0: Cool. Um, <laughs> next question What object have you purchased in the last 12 months? that cost less than a thousand ringgit that you believe has tremendous positive impact on your life?
1: Mm, less than a thousand. I mean, it was still quite pricey, but I got this like Apple Pencil
3: oh. like, that goes my iPad. <laughs> um,
1: I think, I mean, yeah, it's a few hundred, but it's because I got it when I was working on like a Disney project that was mm. unfortunately canceled because mm. of Corona. Um, but that allowed me yeah first because it was I was working with a brand that I've always like loved like Disney Mm. is like my life I love Disney Mm. Um, so I think like getting that at the time that I did was important because I also explored kind of working more digitally again um, Mm. and kind of like has sparked different ideas and made me feel more confident in my skill which allows me to be another like skill set for my work so it's helped me both like professionally and personally um, and it's just like yeah. a pencil well Mm. a a digital pencil so to speak um but yeah i think that's really something that has been inspiring me personally continuing Mm. to inspire me Mm. Mm.
0: oh it's awesome like i literally have one here too
1: yeah right i love it so much
0: (laughs) yeah so yeah so so for me like um i do a lot of journaling uh Mm. in the morning so i actually but so i journal using my ipad Rather than like, Mm. um, I have a physical notebook on my iPad, so I alternate, but sometimes I, you know, I I write on my iPad um, because uh, when I'm, if I'm intending to write something really long and I write it on like paper, I don't know why for some reason I feel like I'm wasting paper. Oh, (laughs) I
2: understand. So so, so,
0: yeah, because sometimes when I journal, I just, um, I'm just like vomiting out thoughts. There's no particular purpose. I'm just like, like, it's random. At the end of it, I write something that's like five, six pages long, and there's no point, you know. Mm. Uh, so, but so I do it on I my think, iPad. With, yeah.
1: I think it's similar though for me because I have a an art software called Procreate, so I can literally make so many different things without using any material. So it's like actually mm. the same reason; it's more like eco-friendly, you know. So yeah, but you're not like. Yeah, wasting resources or material. So yeah, I think it's so helpful, especially as an artist or anything creative. I would highly recommend um, getting some sort of like tablet with a stylus because it really helps in your your artistic process, makes it so much faster and more convenient, mm. more efficient. And yeah, you're not wasting resources of like physical materials.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I agree, right? Because sometimes I, I feel like because um, you don't... I might hold myself back knowing I need a new page, Like it's a very small subconscious thing, but now if I'm, if it's done digitally, it's like, it doesn't matter. I can just keep scribbling.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: So that's, that's amazing. I'm glad you brought this up. (laughs) Uh, Next question. So what scene from a movie or TV show uh, is super memorable uh, and impactful to you and why?
1: Oh, This is so hard. Yeah, it gets harder. Um,
0: <laughs> I used to start with this question, and then everyone was like, "Well." Oh what?
1: yeah, it's a bit harder. <laughs> I mean, like I, one of my favorite movies is The Godfather. Um, I watched it quite young, and I think just a lot of the le- like life lessons were important. Um, just about like yeah, like family and business and how you have to carry yourself. I there's no like there's so many scenes in that movie that's quite iconic but I think just in general how people carry themselves in that movie is what I take away from Um, because I think it's so important regardless of your industry regardless of your own like personal character how you carry yourself people will always like remember you for that and that's what I think the most impact like you could leave a room but like maybe half an hour they'd be like oh you remember that girl that was just there or this guy that was just there yeah I think your presence is really important and I think that movie was like so many like lessons on how yeah you carry yourself how you conduct this i know it's a gangster film but like um i thought it was just like also just like like a lot of like values that i kind of hold on to me Mm
0: -hmm. interesting Mm -hmm. interesting choice uh uh, next question is there a non-fiction book uh that you've read that you believe everyone should read
1: oh yes um I actually read this when I was in Prague and I was kind of like experiencing my first episode of like depression. Um, Cause Prague, at least the Czech Republic is very Islamophobic. Um, and there's just like not a lot of non-white people there. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, yeah, it was my first time experiencing like racism and Islamophobia. And I was like, re- it was really hard and you know, it's winter. So there were just so many factors against me when I was there. Um, mm-hmm. So I had been my first like episode of like, yeah feeling depressed. And it was like my first, it was such a foreign feeling. And I was just like, I was reading a lot. And one of the books that I was recommended, it was called um, Man's Search for Meaning. And it's by, yeah, Victor Frankl, I believe. And it's yeah. about him experiencing um, a Nazi concentration camp and how he kind of, the mechanisms that he created for himself to survive such a horrendous thing. And I yeah. think it's a very short, quick read, but it's just, it's been super impactful for me till today and I don't want to ruin it, but I'll just like talk about like the basis of it and how Mm -hmm. essentially he found his purpose and in to, to let, allow him to survive and overcome all these terrible things he had to endure. So like mentally he imagined and pictured what his purpose was and who he cared about. And that Mm -hmm. allowed him to survive. Like, I think one of the most horrific things ever to happen in mm. world history, really. Mm. Um, I, think, I think it was just like very poetic in how he described his experience. And I think it's a really, really good book um, that I think mm. anyone could benefit from. You don't have to experience depression, just like just hardships in general, right? Because I feel like mm. our hardships are individualized so that you can't compare your hardships to someone else. But if someone can go through such a grotesque thing, mm. I think you can try and find ways to overcome your own obstacles.
0: Mm-hmm. I actually have that book on my Kindle for some time. I haven't read it yet. Uh, have I you was, read it? Oh, I have not. You have yeah. Have to. <laughs> right. It's
1: yeah.
0: Oh, so I have good. to. Okay. I, I was, yeah. I definitely see. I've seen it being recommended by like a lot mm. of different, um, uh, successful people. I've seen this book being talked yeah. about before. It's uh, quite an old book, right? If I, if
1: yeah, I really old. I think. Um, and I think it's also available in so many different languages as well. So, mm. I would recommend anyone to to read that book. Yeah mm.
0: Mm. Mm. Nice. Um, Next question. What's the best piece of career advice you've received from a mentor or someone you respect?
1: Um, I think a piece of advice that was always given to me from... not even career-wise, just as we were young, was like probably my parents who just said, your intention is the most important thing Um, before you start anything. Yeah, you start anything in your life. Like you need to make sure you have the right intention because otherwise it's not sustainable for you. Um, And if your intention is in the wrong place, it will be very obvious later, maybe not now. Um, So I think intention, having the right intention when you start something is like kind of the recipe for success in that sense, because you know you're coming from the right place with the right mindset, with the right heart in it.
0: Mm. Mm. And um, who is your role model? Um, and ideally not someone from your family. Uh, what behaviors do they have that you see in yourself? And what do you wish you had?
1: I mean, like, I have a few role models, but I don't see myself in them at all. <laughs> um, I really respect women that have like paved their way in their career, whatever their career is, um, for themselves and created such a long-lasting impact. I really like, I love, I mean, actually I'm obsessed with Beyoncé. Mm. Um and um, Not just because, not just like necessarily her music, which I love, because it's like very, you know, it's subjective, you know, people with music, but um, her eth- her work ethic, her work ethic is like phenomenal for me. Like if you've ever watched her documentary called Homecoming on Netflix, it literally showcased how she just gave birth to her twins, yet she was like performing practicing every day for a performance and like doing all sorts of crazy things because her work ethic was phenomenal. She's always like the first person to be there for practice and the last one to leave. And I think just as an individual, that's so inspiring to know, like, you know, especially if you're working with a team or you're, you have a boss, like if your boss is there before you and leaves after you, that also speaks volume, how much they value and how much they want to contribute to whatever thing that they're doing. Um, I also really like Malala. So I read her autobiography and I I just find her so inspiring, like the things she's had to overcome, um, and her impact on the world and how she's continuously advocating for change. Yeah. So I think I not saying I see myself in them, but I would aspire to be like these women who are Mm -hmm. known for, yeah, like tremendous work ethic, um, activist work. Cause I kind of involve myself in that field right now as well. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think it's just inspiring women I just yeah I have a lot of female role models actually oh, nice. <laughs>
0: yeah. and, they, and they are and they are very inspiring uh yeah. I think I saw an interview with Malala on um it was on Netflix was it David Letterman or something else was mm-hmm. quite, quite good it was quite a good interview yeah yeah
1: it's also cool. because she's so young so I think she's a mm-hmm. good role model for like the younger generation um mm-hmm. because she's just had to overcome so much and I think not just the tragedy of what she had to experience but like what is important to her is like education, right? And how she's advocating that. So I think if we can find something that means the most to us and how we can be a part of the conversation to engage with people and make like to raise awareness, I think that's important. And, you know, artists have been doing that for so long, using art as a vehicle for change, as a vehicle for conversation. So are we like people that take that extra effort or make it their life choice to be activists or to stand for something?
0: Cool. Yeah. Um, two questions left. Uh, <laughs> if you could make a video go viral, and that video carried a message that was important to you, what message would that be?
1: Oh, I mean, I hate that word viral. Is that such a like <laughs> negative connotation now? Um, oh, because also, also there's like no recipe on what goes viral. There's like the stupidest things that make you know that go viral oh, yeah, yeah. now, right? Um, but I think, I mean, it's, it's a, it's an issue that's really personal to me, which is like awareness on like gender-based violence. So like sexual assault or, um, sexual harassment, I'm quite an advocate for that in my work and like, um, the things that I do. So I think in relations to something like that, because I feel like men um, are a part of the problem, but they're also part of the solution. So they need to also see that like, maybe you don't harass women, but you see other men that do. How can you mm. help? You know, mm. How can you be a piece of the um, puzzle in terms of helping this issue come to an end, really? Um, mm. I think it's a huge issue now, especially in Malaysia. I think cyberbullying in Malaysia is really high, especially against women. Mm. Um, it's yeah, I think it was one of the highest in Southeast Asia, And also just like, yeah, you know, in line with like the Women's March that was in March and then like, you know, the whole Me Too movement that was global. There's so many stories coming out out of young women here in Malaysia and how they've had to experience like harassment or assault. And now I think I'm really proud to say how people are more vocal about it and not being like kind of shamed for it.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Because me being a survivor myself, I think it took me so long to just come out and like admit that something happened to me or admit this kind of, because I think, yeah, we, we do a lot of victim blaming in our society. Um, so I think this is something that, I mean, it's very personal to me and something I really care about. So I think something along those lines, because the best way to educate people is uh, raising awareness. So if something were to go viral, that means lots of people will be watching it. So hopefully Mm. it's a message, a good message, an important message that people could really benefit from. Mm.
0: Mm. Mm. That's that's, that's really good. And then I do agree with you that I think the, um, there's a lot more awareness about this right now. And then Mm. I think that, um, you know, people are yeah, much more educated i, I, I would say it, it tends to be ignored in the past right yeah but people are much more conscious of it like hey that's wrong hey we shouldn't be doing that you know um yeah and, and stuff like that um yeah so i like uh so so you know I, you know obviously I meet a lot of people and sometimes I meet like like um like really like older people like from a different generation and they can make inappropriate jokes and Mm-hmm. you know i see it all the time right and stuff like that and and to consciously try to tell people hey you know you know what that's that's not appropriate you shouldn't do that yeah. we shouldn't say that you know
1: i think because uh, for me i started quite young and uh, like me just like being a freelancer i think i was like really early like 19 or 20. so i've had my own experience of just like people being inappropriate and i think it's important to be talking about this in like the work environment in like a professional setting because if anything, it happens a lot of times in these specific environments that it really shouldn't.
3: Mm.
1: Um, so yeah, I think we have to be part of the solution and see how we can play a piece in it in the smallest way if that's what's comfortable for you. But if you can make a bigger impact, that's great. So I think it's yeah, it's important to use your platform in whatever way you can. Mm.
0: Cool. Yeah. Last question. Uh, <laughs> what does the word success mean to you?
1: Um, success. I think I'm still trying to figure out what success means to me personally because I think it's always changing as we're involving in our um, career because you might reach one milestone and then you realize like oh what's the next step right um, but I think for me what I think I'm proud of is the fact that I get to pursue something as a career that I absolutely love and that I'm absolutely passionate about because not everyone has that same privilege Um I think I've achieved like so much um, in a short period of time that I'm so like ecstatic about. Like I, am very grateful about. It. I feel very blessed. Um, so I think yeah, success is being able to me personally is like being able to do something you love um, as a career because not everyone has the privilege to do that. Mm. Maybe I'll change later in life when maybe I get mm. tired of making art. Who knows? At least. <laughs> but for now, I think that's something that I think what success means to me.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I, th- I think it's really good. I think, um, you know, uh, uh, yes, like, obviously, like, uh, money is important, all that. But I think if you you can make something a career in which you make enough money to live a decent life, you know, you don't have, like, not everyone has to be, like, super rich, right? Like, you mm-hmm. make enough money and still be doing something that you really love. I suppose yeah. that is a pretty good definition of what yeah. a successful life is.
1: Because actually, before this year, every year I would spend at least like two, three months overseas, just traveling. Mm. Um, like last year, I was in Australia. The year before that, I was actually away for four months out of the year. Um, mm. I was in the UK. I went to Italy. I went to Scotland. I visited my sister who lives in Eritrea, like East Africa. So literally, like I, I thought that just like even me experiencing all this, I'm like, wow, like I don't know anyone else that could, could like that could be doing this right now at this age and just being able to still like sustain and I was doing projects overseas. And yeah, I think I'm not saying that people who work like nine to five jobs, they they can't feel this sense of f- fulfillment. I'm sure a lot of people that do have nine to five jobs are really happy with what they're doing and feel fulfilled from it. So I think having a fulfilling um, career, I think is success. So it doesn't have to be like artists or, you know, anything of these like glamorized jobs. It could just be something that you just genuinely love and passionate about Mm. Um, because if you're going to do it for like a long time you might as well enjoy it you know Mm. you might as well get Mm. some sense of self-fulfillment from it Um, yeah so I think that's what success needs to me Thank you
0: so much Sharina for doing this. No, thank uh, you for having interview. me. Yeah, I was I, really, really nervous, it.
1: you know. <laughs>
0: oh, why were you know? why were you nervous?
1: It, it was so long, I was like 2 hours, yeah. what? So many things they're going <laughs> to ask what if I like blunder or something.
0: <laughs> no, I loved it. I, can, I I I can see that your personality comes through like in the interview, right? Yeah, uh, and, mm-hmm. and and you're you're definitely a very positive person, you're very driven uh, and and I can feel that energy, even though we're doing it Zoom <laughs> now. But you know, yeah. I'm so inspired now. Like I'm gonna oh, end thanks. the going like work hard at something after this.
3: <laughs>
0: That's amazing. Uh and uh, yeah, so I hope the um, as we discussed, I hope the art scene continues to grow and improve. Uh and and also your journey. I mean, I'll be following your journey, definitely. Uh, Thank you. and I know that people involved are already following you, so I'm sure they'll be rooting for you to you know do something amazing continue to do amazing things and uh yeah and uh yeah look forward to it
1: also I just like to add like if anyone that will be listening to this podcast like if they have any questions like feel free to contact me directly I'm more than happy to help or advise or because yeah as I said I was given that so I really want to be a resource to younger people who might want to like pursue a career in like what I do so let them know that they can contact me. They can contact you, right? Yeah. <laughs>
0: and and is it um uh, and where are you most responsive? Are you on Instagram uh, or Twitter? Instagram
1: and Twitter, or even just email me if they want to be more professional about it, you know. But I'm I'm more than happy to answer questions on yeah Instagram or Twitter. I'm very um, active on both platforms.
0: Right, right, and uh and we will share your Instagram and Twitter handles uh, in <laughs> like the show notes, so,
1: okay, cool. so people can
0: contact you if they want to. Uh, thank you again, Sharina. Uh, Yo, thank you for best. having
3: me. You and, too. Uh,
0: yeah. And uh, yeah, uh, we, we stay in touch. Uh, perhaps we might uh, do this conversation again sometime in the future and see how you yeah. do
1: that. <laughs> of course. Right. I'd be so excited to see what's next. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, okay. All right. Uh, right. See you. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to the Hello Mentor podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, do hit that subscribe button, whether you're listening on Spotify or Apple podcast. If you're trying to have a great career or if you want to succeed in business, um, you will benefit from really, really getting to learn from some of the most inspiring people in Malaysia. And hopefully you can replicate some of that success yourself. Uh, We have many, many more amazing people joining us soon and we expect to release an episode once every two weeks. So again, do hit that subscribe button to our podcast and you will be notified when the next episode is up. Also, this podcast is supported by Warp the leading professional youth jobs platform in Malaysia. So if you're looking to hire great talent or if you're looking for a new job, do also check us out at wobjobs.com. That's w-o-b-b jobs.com. Thank you again and I look forward to share the next episode with you soon.